You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. I'm glad that you have sprung forward and are still mostly conscious, so that's a good thing. Normally when we have these changes in the clock, I don't sleep very well, but I just want to warn you, I got a full seven hours of sleep, so you're in for it this morning, okay? So, no, so excited to be with you today as we open up God's Word and continue our journey through the book of James. And in fact, this is maybe the centerpiece of the book, and it is certainly the centerpiece of what we're talking about, the theme of back to work. James 1.27 is just one of those verses that has, the, has a way of shaping us and molding us and making us into something beautiful for the King of kings and Lord of lords. So if you will stand with me as we stand together on the solid rock of God's word, we're going to read this one beautiful powerful verse together. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray. Just a handful of verses, Lord, but I pray that these few words, these few thoughts will shake us up. One verse. But God, I pray that it will have an infinite number of blessings that pour out to us and help us, God, to get to work for your kingdom. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, church, do you want to be on fire for Jesus? (laughs) We got one. We got one. All right? At least one of you saying you're already there. Don't you want to be on fire for Jesus? The way you've answered that and the way the first service answered that, that tells me we have a lot of room to grow. Being on fire for Jesus is a good thing. I want to read to you this quote from a guy by the name of Peter the Chanter. I'm not making this up. This is his name. Um, He's my new hero from the 12th century. Anyway, he says this, He who does not burn with sanctity will never set others ablaze. Now, the reason I wanted to start there is because if we are going to get to work for Jesus, we don't want to just do any kind of old work. We want to do work that is literally on fire for Jesus and making a difference for the kingdom. So the inner spiritual life has to be connected to the outer spiritual ministry. Too often what we see in church history and even in the Bible, we see those who kind of gravitate one way or the other. There are some people who seem to have this this wonderful life of devotion and prayer, but they don't seem to get going fully in ministering in the world. And then there's other people, and this is a common Baptist uh, thing I've seen in my lifetime, is that people come to know Christ and they're like, put me to work, pastor. Or they're new in a church. I want a job to do. That's great. But before we can be effective in reaching the world for Jesus, our hearts need to burn with sanctity. Or another word for that is just holiness. God yearns for you to be holy as he is holy. And this is how we can truly see revival. Revival is rare in history and in the church because those two things have to be in perfect balance and it just seems like it's often the case that it's not. Let me just quote a few things to you here from the scriptures. The psalmist exhorts us in Psalm 24:4 that we need to have clean hands 
and a pure heart. In other words, if our hands are going to do things that honor the Lord and are holy, we need a pure heart that's driving us. And we need to think in our own hearts where we are the weakest because each and every one of us, we have strengths. We, we have weaknesses. We have certain things we're doing well right now or certain things that could be done better. And I'm praying that the Lord will help you see where you need to grow today so that you can have the kind of balance that is necessary to get to work. So this verse is truly a difference maker kind of verse It is awesome and beautiful, and I pray that you will just allow these handful of words in this one verse to fill you today. Paul's advice to Timothy is helpful here for us this morning. He tells his young lieutenant in the faith to immerse himself in the teachings of Scripture so that others may see his progress. That's 1 Timothy 4.15. We want you to grow strong in the Word, not just so you can win Bible trivia games or something like that or have you know, good answers for your atheist or agnostic friends. No, we want you to be immersed in the Word so that your ministry makes a difference. This verse is a difference maker, no doubt. The only question mark this morning is, will you be a difference maker? The verse is, but will you be? And I believe if your soul is saturated with Scripture, your life can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we, church, have been called to do nothing less than change the world for Christ. So let's begin by talking about the action of faith. As we look at this one verse, it is clear that there is an action of faith. James 1.26 reminded us that we need to have a religion that is not just all talk and no walk. It needs to, it needs to have something that's happening, active-wise, uh, applicable. We need to be careful, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, of worthless religion. The world doesn't need a church that's practicing worthless religion, and it doesn't need a Christian caught up in worthless religion. Look at verse 27. The goal is to have a religion that is pure and undefiled. And the action of such faith is spelled out here in terms of helping the most vulnerable. And James speaks of orphans and widows. Now, I want you to be very clear here. This is a categorical phrase. This is not an absolute. It's not like the Christian journey is complete when we've cared for an orphan and cared for a widow. This is James's way of saying, look out in the culture around us and find who it is that is the most vulnerable, and then get your life geared to where you can care for them. Now notice the key word, maybe the key word in the text is that little word visit. Do you see that? To visit orphans and widows. Let's park there for just a moment. Because when I think of a visit, it can be kind of like hit-and-run evangelism or a hit-and-run, how you doing, going on to the next thing. On Sunday mornings, I feel like most of my visits are hit-and-run kind of visits because I've got a schedule to keep and I go, go, go. So even though that's my Sunday, often that's my whole week. You know, sometimes the frenetic pace is out of control. This word visit is a deliberate investment of time and energy into someone who is deeply hurting or vulnerable, a deliberate investment of time. Have you thought about the pace that you're running? Are you going so fast that you can't really care for those who need 
care most. Notice another key word in this verse, affliction. We need to realize that some people are more vulnerable and more hurting than others. And these are people who, if we don't help them, they will be crushed by their circumstances. In your sphere of influence, there are some people who are doing okay and getting along okay in life. And those are folks that you can have the more hit and run, how you doing, and go on. But when you run into somebody that's really struggling, friends, you need to have the spiritual wisdom to pause, to pray, and to care for that individual. And I want to ask you right now, if you are in, if you're the type of person that's in fifth gear all the time, then I believe the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you saying, bring it down a couple of gears so that you can care for the people around you. Oh, friends, the easiest thing for us to do is to get comfortable in church, to come to these buildings like this and have a comfortable seat in our small group, to have a a comfortable seat in the worship room and do just go through the motions, just going through the motions and not being concerned about others. But I want you to realize that real religion, real Christian faith will work its way out. In fact, pure religion is the outworking of spirituality. It is the outworking of spirituality as you are getting deeper in the word. Now, I want you to take note of that that phrase, pure religion. And I would say pure religion and like the biblical idea of love is very similar. If you've been in in Nick Gooden's uh, Wednesday nights, I think he said something like this this last week. And let me just steal from him. I'm I, in the first service, I, um, I wanted to give credit to Nick for this. I called him the, the notorious Nick Gooden. He said the other day, when I'm willing to make your problems my problems. And he was defining this idea of pure religion. Pure religion or love. That's when I'm willing to make your problems my problems. Friends, think of it this way. You can't wash someone's feet when you are a mile ahead of them. To really wash someone's feet, you have to slow down long enough to get on your knees and pull out the water basin and put the soap in there and do the work of caring. And I think that the church sometimes, because we have so many things going, we are on this mission, we lose sight of the need to wash one another's feet, especially those who are the most vulnerable. God is telling us here that the world is always filled with people who have great need. And I feel like James is being intensely practical here. He's telling us that to have faultless or undefiled religion, we need to be looking for those who are the least of these, as Jesus described them in Matthew 25, 40. And we need to make sure that if we are trying to be like God, we are looking for those individuals who need us the most. Think of it this way, the God in us works out of us to heal and to help heal those around us. The prepositions are important here. We say when Jesus came into our hearts that we were saved. We know that ministry is a work of grace out of us, but it is to impact those around us. And I want to just ask you this right now. Who are the people around you that the grace of God is washing out of you and onto them? Who is it that you're caring for? Where is your action of faith making a difference? Well, that brings us to our second point. 
And that is we need to be pure before God. I told you earlier we had to have a holiness within us before we could do the work without us. So let's talk about this. This passage is talking about holiness. You can't push back darkness until, until you are yourself filled with the light. Ministry is an act of mercy, a mercy unmerited. You need something at work in you that isn't naturally in you. Now, you may be a good person and and compassionate, but the mercy to care for the least of these has to come from the greatest one above. Salvation is a work of mercy in your life, but so is ministry. And one of the reasons why we are not caring for the most vulnerable is because we don't have the courage to do so. We look out there and we see so many problems and we say it's too big for us. Well, the reason why it's too big for us is because we're forgetting the big God who gives us the power to do it. The mercy that God has given to you, don't you think that he wants to share it with other people? He does. But he needs a vessel that is pure. And the world soils us. Sin pollutes us. It's such a simple illustration, but Monday morning I came to work. I was wearing a pair of tan pants. Um, the, the little lady at the coffee store filled my cup to overflowing, quite literally. And I walked, in, I walked in, started my day with a big coffee stain down the front of me. Now, I'm, you know, I'm real easygoing and chill, and so they didn't bother me. No, they drove me nuts. Because I knew everywhere I went, there'd be, you know, this coffee stain on my leg. Well, I give that illustration, one, to show you that I need help, and two, to show you that how easy it is just walking in the world, just being in the universe, it, it's going to cause us to be contaminated. And this word undefiled means without defilement, free from contamination. And I'm going to tell you that's impossible apart from the work of God in your life. You will be contaminated more and more and more, the less and less and less you're depending on God's grace and mercy. You have to give in to him so that you can be pure inside. True religion helps us aim toward inward purity. Now that's interesting to me because when we think about true religion, in light of this, in light of widows and orphans, it looks like it's all out there. But that word undefiled reminds us that before the work out there makes a difference, there needs to be a work in here. And why do we have invitations? That's an old school thing to do. The cool churches these days don't do it. Those who are on the cutting edge of whatever don't do it. But I think it's important to have a place to respond. I believe that when the Lord reveals to us our defilement, then we need to ask him to remove it and make us as white as snow again. The pure in heart are blessed, according to Matthew 5.8. God demands that we are holy. And God yearns to do a work through us. I think this is why, if you look carefully at the text... James is deliberate. He speaks of God the Father. Now, I want you to think about this. Because, again, we're talking about trying to be holy and pure. We need to remember that God is for us. Too many people think about God up there just judging us. Listen, he will judge us for our sins, but he will also advocate for us. God the Father, notice this, God is that word that reminds us that he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. That word sort of points to the Genesis 1 and 2 narrative of the one who spoke creation into existence. He is a big, big God. But God is then uh, further defined and described by being the Father. That means he is with us. The Father's love surrounds us. Holiness is possible because the God who created the heavens and the earth is our heavenly Father who will work in and through us. Isn't that awesome? 
Are you struggling with the sin? Does it seem like it's bigger than you? Well, it is. But God is bigger than all sin. If holiness is escaping you and eluding you, listen, that's a sad thing. But it doesn't have to continue that way. If you will fall before Christ and remember that your heavenly Father loves you, then He will do a great work in you. Christ can become your center point. And purity before God, which is again a work of grace within us, it's going to have to precede spirit-filled ministry. We don't want you doing worthless things. And the only way to avoid you doing worthless things is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can be if you will surrender to Him. The final thing that we want to talk about this morning is the need for our faith, this religion, to be visible to all. Do you know the world is watching? It is. You are under a microscope. I know I am. That camera right there. I can say hi to our friends at home that are watching live, but did you know that this video will be recorded? It'll be archived. It'll be a part of the record. Did you know there are people out there that will go back who do not believe in Christ? They're either agnostic or atheist, and the only thing they do is they troll sermons to see if they can find a a, a pastor saying something that's silly or, or harmful, and then they'll put that out there for the world to see. We've seen that time and time and time again. The world is watching. Our actions are being scrutinized. Our motives will always be questioned. Therefore, our hearts must be continually purified by God's word. Pray for your pastor when he talks on camera every Sunday so that that we're not making mistakes, that we're not opening up doors. I'm going to tell you right now, just preaching the gospel, we'll get enough people mad at us right there. You don't need me saying silly things because when we say saintly things from the scriptures, the world is going to roar at us and that's okay. We want to get in trouble for the right things, but we want to make sure that what we are projecting, the visible message, the audible message is one of grace and mercy and love and the cross. The pressure we're all under is intense. Our witness to the world must be unstained and that is not an easy thing to do. That's why we've been talking about inner purity matching our outer dimension, what we're doing for the Lord. See, the world needs to see what it looks like when a human being is filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, for instance, just to use a a really common example, you know, the world saw Mother Teresa there in India, there in Calcutta. They saw her selfless sacrifice And they saw something that was beyond natural, beyond human experience. And the world took notice. The world is watching and it's looking for things to pick on us about, sure. But sometimes it it is true that the world is watching and they see something in us that they have to say, that is a work of God. Now I want to say this, the Holy Spirit is going to work through me and he's going to work through you, but he's not going to work in the same exact way. You can be a difference maker in your own right, but only when you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and change you. You don't need to be Mother Teresa. There was only one of those. But there is something that God has for you that needs to be done through you so that all the world can know that Jesus is Lord. Have you found that calling? Do you know what you're called to do? You are called to be a light in the world. 
and our Christian values and who we are can shine from us. But the problem is, is that there's this moral fog that surrounds so many believers. They're living inconsistent lives. And when you're living a sinful, inconsistent life, even when you're in the spotlight, even when you're doing ministry, let me tell you, people will see the fog before they see the light. The only way to get rid of the fog is to let the sunlight, S-O-N, light, shine through you because the bright sunlight dissipates the fog. And many of us, we have been in the fog of sin too long. And what the world needs to see is you on fire for Jesus and that flame being from Jesus and then the fog will go away. I want to just ask you right now, are you in that fog? Are you missing your moment? Paul warns Titus about the dangers of sinful lifestyles. He says this in Titus 2.10. He says, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Now, God's gospel is more beautiful than you can imagine. But your life can be like an ornament on the Christmas tree. Does that make sense? It's already beautiful, but if you could add one more ornament that's uniquely you, it's not even Christmas. I don't know where I came up with this, but just that one little unique contribution that you can bring, that's an adornment on the gospel. Here's what God is saying to us. We have this opportunity to show off the glory of God. You're either showing off the glory of God's word with faithful religion, or you are showing out the sinful condition of your heart. Are you showing off the gospel? Or are you showing out the sinful condition of your soul? Friends, the, the, the truth is, as we look out there and we see a lot of people who are showing out the sinful condition. When I was in seminary, they gathered us in a big room. And it was as big or bigger than this room. There was a, a, probably a, a thousand students there, all the students. Well, that may not be right. It might have just been the, the upcoming class, so a couple hundred. But I remember it was a pretty full room. And, and uh, basically what the speaker said was, look to your left and look to your right. Uh, those two guys are not going to be in ministry in 10 years. Uh, one, only one of three of you are still going to be doing Christian ministry in 10 years. Now, uh, the two people who were sitting next to me became very good friends. And I'm going to tell you, they're both in the ministry, so we beat the odds. But I will say this, most of the people that I went to school with, a lot of them that were in either undergraduate or, or Masters of Divinity Studies, most of them are no longer in the ministry. Um, and, and many times, uh, it's not for good reasons that they're out. They disqualified themselves. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, God moves and calls and works in different ways. But the tragedy is, is that many people get out of the ministry because they're kicked out of the ministry. Many people who had a witness with their friends lost that witness because of sin. When we are born again, we need to keep in mind that the Lord wants to keep growing us and that the first fruits of His grace need to continually be blossoming. We need to make sure that we are staying undefiled because a witness is the easiest thing to ruin. It's like a fruit that's very delicate, that just touching the skin bruises it. Your witness is easily bruised in this world of sin. Peter warns this in 2 Peter 1.4, which just happened to be my, my, uh, one of my chapters this morning in my quiet time. Peter warns us that corruption in the world is caused by evil desires. The, the corruption in this world has at its root sin and sinful desires. 
the resurrected Christ in Revelation 6.15. He shouts out to us and says, Blessed is he who stays awake. That's true in the sermon time, but it's also true in ministry. Blessed is he who stays awake. In other words, we don't close our eyes to the sin around us, that surrounds us, that is within us, but we are constantly confessing. Listen, have a prayer journey in your life every morning, a time where you're walking with God, that journey with God, that journal that you write with God. Have that every morning for no other reason than to say to Jesus every day, Lord, I know I'm a sinner in need of grace. Forgive me and strengthen me. If you don't do anything else, spend a few minutes asking God to cleanse your heart every day because that's how you stay awake. And a moment of weakness can ruin a lifetime of witness. I don't want to talk about this. I've I've alluded to it. I'll go ahead and name the name. Ravi Zacharias was a great man of God, everybody thought. His work in apologetics was second to none in the world. He was trained at some of the best universities and colleges the world has ever known and he died a man who was celebrated for his faith and after his death the stories came out of the corruption in his soul and a lifetime of witness was ruined by a lifetime of sin you have a choice this morning to be a light to the nations or you can just embrace the darkness Jesus knew how hard a time you were going to have He said this in John 17, 5, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. I want you to know what that's saying. Jesus is saying that he's praying for you. Paul said this in Galatians 6, 14, The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He understood that he had to die to the sins of the flesh. We must live holy lives among an unholy people. We must be separated from the world. But but we must also remember that Uh, We have to stay away from all those temptations, all those things that can bring us down. Listen, the enemy, he is trying to steal and kill and destroy. And things like social justice that are being talked about today. Is social justice a problem? Absolutely. Are there people who are being abused? Absolutely. But there is no philosophy or government program that's going to make the difference. What's going to make the difference is the total transformation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There will not be justice until justice flows like a river from the souls, from the hearts of the church. The world needs you on fire for Jesus. And it's time to get to work. Now, I'm going to be very brief here. I'm going to give you a couple questions to think about. And then Michelle is going to come and challenge you with some specific application points because when we talk about getting to work and caring for vulnerable people we have a plan brothers and sisters we have a plan and we want you to join with us in that plan right now think of these questions as we try to think of what it means to be holy unto God and to and unto man if we were to grow in our holiness would we give more money to missions so the teams and treasure would go to plant churches and alleviate suffering last week you showed you're all in there I pray if you haven't had a chance to give, we will see that part of caring for the most vulnerable is to be all in for missions. Secondly, would we volunteer more time and energy to alleviate the suffering of orphans who are in foster care or in need of adoption? There are literally hundreds of kids in our community that need a loving home. Would you be open to opening your home? Or if you're not called to do that, would you be open to supporting those who are on the front lines of adoption and foster care? Third, 
Would we get more involved in intentional discipleship with people? And let me give you three ways you could do that. Maybe those who are lost but open to faith discussions. Do you have those people in your life that are asking good biblical questions? Would you take some time and slow down your frenetic pace to answer their questions? What about those who are saved but immature in faith? Those who have been uh, supposedly walking with Jesus a long time, but they're not doing ministry and they're not growing. Would you slow down and get to work caring for them? And finally, what if there's somebody in your life that has the potential to serve the Lord in a great way? Will you slow down long enough to help them find their call to ministry? Friends, if we don't get to work, nothing changes. If this difference maker verse doesn't make a difference in you, then an opportunity is missed. As I said earlier, we have this time of invitation to come and to pray. I'm going to ask you and invite you to do that right now. Come and ask God to do what it takes to get you back to work. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.